0: I'm your host, Aaron Groves, and welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hey, 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 guys, and welcome back to the pop podcast. I am your host, Erin Groves, and another entrepreneur in the studio. And we're talking all things beauty, not only her journey to becoming an entrepreneur, which I know is going to be great listening to her story or reading about her story, um, but all things beauty, hair, yes. all of it. For all of sl- the things all the things. And the kind voice behind it is Marcy Hubbard. Say hello, the CEO of Bright Beauty. Hello. Thanks for having me. Also, you have the best. I hate my voice. I
1: sound like a full-on redneck. I'm from Lubbock. Sorry. But you have the most beautiful voice. Like you have the perfect podcaster voice. Hey, I think you found something here. (laughs) Hey, You should
0: keep doing this. I'm so awkward with compliments. I'm always like, what do I say? I usually deflect and I'm like, oh, but thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we, are, I think we're the same person. We've been sitting across from each other for literally five minutes mm-hmm. and we have so much energy. Yes. So guys, put on your, uh, hold your horses. It's about. <laughs> Yeehaw. We're about to get started. <laughs> yes. We are about to get started. So you're from Lubbock. Yes. You've had a cosmetology background. I want yes. you to give a little bit of background on you and yourself before we dive into your journey. Okay. So yes, I grew up in Lubbock, Texas.
1: Um, I took cosmetology in high school. So as soon as I graduated from high school, I went straight to work in the salon. Um, I've always been interested in beauty and I like, you know... It, Uh, My mother always got ready to leave the house. So did my grandmother. It was just like something that was like ingrained in me. Um, And so I've always loved that. I really, um, truth be told, I'm a straight shooter. So that's the only way I know how to be. Um, But I was a really young mom. And what I mean by that is like I was a teen mom. So I had my first daughter in high school. So out of necessity, I had to have a career when I graduated high school. Like there was no playtime Um, And so I was fortunate enough to get into cosmetology in high school, but then also I just really enjoyed it and wanted to do it. So yeah, I've been doing hair since 1997. That's a really long time. Um, But I love it. And I don't do hair as much now in the business, um, but that was, so I went to a traditional salon, did cuts and colors, established a great clientele, um, did end up going to college, getting my degree, finishing that, um, and then... Uh, you know, just kept kept on keeping on. And then when we moved to Dallas, uh, I met met my husband, we moved here, Dallas area, and I didn't want to go back into the salon. And I actually had the idea for Bright back in Lubbock. And so then I can go into the details about how that started, but then launched Bright and here we are four, four years later.
0: Energy. You have a lot of energy, <laughs> which is good. And I think, I mean, we're going to dive into a few things, but I do want you, I want to start with the in- initial idea because I think you mentioned something about having this initial idea when you were in Lubbock and it went through a few iterations before it got to bright beauty, which I think is super important because usually that first idea isn't what the end idea is, which I think is totally okay. So take us back to Lubbock, Texas, when the idea for bright beauty initially launched. Well, here's what's
1: so i've so I always enjoyed doing styling for events, so I liked doing brides i I enjoyed doing you know some 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 hairdressers in the salon hate that kind of work, like they don't like to do updos they don't like to do styling. I always enjoyed it um and then so i I joke and I say that somewhere along the way, I watched Freedom Riders. did you ever see that movie? It's an old movie now, but Anyway, it was um I can't remember who started it, but she she like changed the world through education. She became a teacher. And I, I came I came to this point in the in my career where I was like, okay, I'm in a really vain field. Like I'm here doing hair like that. And and I loved my clients. So but I was like, I think I'm called to do more. Probably because I watched the movie. So I got my degree and I um went into teaching, always doing hair on the side. Um, but while I was teaching, we're getting to the point here. Sorry, I'll talk forever. Okay. Oh, no, you're fine.
0: Go. <laughs> <laughs> Keep talking. While, <laughs> while
1: I was teaching, um, a, uh, another teacher and I who also loved beauty, she was like, you know, because she liked to do makeup. She was like, you know, it'd be really great if we went to people's homes and did hair and makeup together. And I was like, I I think that's a great idea because at this point I was going into a lot of homes to do hair because it, it was now my part time and all those years it had been my full time. And so that's kind of where the seed planted. And then when we came back here or came to not back, came to Dallas area, I taught for two more years. Shout out to teachers because that was not my long game. But that is uh, good. Teachers are so incredible. And that is super hard work. Um, and it just it, it, it didn't suit my personality as an entrepreneur. But, um, you know, I, I was like, OK, do I go back in the salon? What do I do? And then um getting into how I started bright my husband took a job in Denver in 2017 my youngest daughter was at Booker T Washington and if you know anything about that program it's it's a um, highly competitive arts high school in Dallas you have to audition to get in anyway she I was not moving her she was going to finish at Booker T so we sold our house she and I moved into a little condo like 5 minutes from the school and I at that point I had transitioned completely out of teaching and I was selling Rodan and Fields, which is like an MLN direct, and that's really what nurtured my entrepreneurs entrepreneurial spirit. And I was like, I love this, and I am—I actually do want to build something from the ground up. Like, I want to have complete control over the whole process. And so, my husband left, took the job. Here we were, and I joked that I'm way too independent. He left me here by myself just long enough for me to start. Bright Beauty. And um, I, I met with a business consultant at the beginning of 2018. And I had two ideas and one for another business that someday I think I'll get to do once I've completely taken Bright National. But these two ideas I took to her and she was like, "Okay, but hair and makeup, you know how to do. You could start doing that tomorrow. Right. And I was like, yeah, I could. And she was like, then that probably makes the most sense. Do that. I was like, all right. So like $1,000 started bright and just hit the ground running and have been running ever since. And I love it.
0: We're going to unpack a few things there because (laughs) I was taking notes and I appreciate when you throw all that out there. But it's funny because every single story, it's all the same in a sense. Every single person has a journey and you touched on something at the very beginning of that you felt called to do more and I know you made a joke about the movie, but I think there's more to that. Elaborate that for the audience because I feel that at my core of like Mm -hmm. there's something in you from a young age and you feel like you're called to do more, but it's like how to truly know to pursue that or what advice would you give on that topic? Yeah, I would just
1: say keep exploring that. And, you know, there's that quote, like if you can dream it, you can do it or, you know, something like that. But I truly believe that that's, that is the case because whatever's put in you, like look, I never wanted to be a doctor and, and thank goodness there's lots of people who do, right? That's a perfect example. Like that would not be my dream. Mm-hmm. So as crazy as my dreams are, which is to own a national beauty company, that's the long game I'm going for. It's like that was put in put in within me. But I didn't know exactly how that was going to unfold, right? I wasn't when that first conversation took place about, hey, let's be cute and go do hair and makeup at people's houses, that was a very small scale Mm-hmm. you know, the first thought was like, we could run around Lubbock and do this. You know, It wasn't like as as big as it's gotten at this point. And so I think to it's so important that you nurture that. And what's you know, teaching for me, in total, I taught for about five years, high school, um high school English. And it, I learned it, weirdly enough, I learned so many lessons on how to lead in my company. Through that experience. Like what? Uh, Well, if you can manage, you know, 25 teenagers in your room, (laughs) boys especially, you can do anything. I'm telling you, anything. So really, truly, like management, leadership, um, you know, uh, good teachers have to sell their lessons because, you know, unless you're just really passionate about the subject you're teaching in – they don't kids don't care you know so like learning those kind of skills um even just technology I was fortunate enough the districts I was in we were heavily in, into technology so we used um a lot of different programs and and applications and whatnot that I have trans, you know use I use in my business so anyway my advice is just keep exploring that and like you be it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to like it's it try something you know like you're not gonna what are you you're not going to mess anything up? Like, just explore that.
0: And I think exploring, and you mentioned this in a before we got on, that you always felt that you had an entrepreneurial spirit. And I think it's super important that I think it takes time to recognize that. Like, for me, I I'm about to be 26, and this past year taught me that. Like, I had no idea before if it wasn't for a mentor that completely changed my life. Like, I'd have no idea, but I want you to elaborate a little bit more now that you can look back on traits within you that led to this entrepreneurial path.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are, you know, if you're not an entrepreneur, that's okay Mm -hmm. because this is hard. Like, (laughs) this, (laughs) it is not, yeah, yeah, this it's tough stuff. Like my husband is very much a work for the man. He is a company man through and through and the risk that I take, it freaks him out. So like he is definitely not of an entrepreneurial mindset. Right. Um, so, but if you are, some of the traits I saw, I mean, early on, even as a child, like I was my whole, like the games I would play and everything I would pretend to do actually all of around business in some way, like looking back, and even as I was, um, even as a hairdresser, I was always doing other little side things. Like I created cards, like, and then I would sell them to the boutiques around, like little greeting cards. I was like, oh, put this in when somebody buys their, you know, whatever. So, um, just that cre- creative spirit, and you know, just that that um, I don't enterprising mindset where you're just like. You're, uh, and also being, um, you're not afraid of risk. That's another thing as an entrepreneur. You have to be able, and you have to have that inner fire too, because nobody's going to, right? There's no boss telling you what to do. Like you have to be the one pushing yourself to do it, whether you're a solopreneur or running a company, right? You're the one in charge of like, okay, every day, how do I nurture my business?
0: Risk, taking risks is hard. And I think, and this is something I read, everyone has a different level of risk that they can tolerate i don't think i'm a tech startup ceo that's willing to literally go off the deep end and a left field idea like jeff bezos not me let's not pretend that but i do think that understanding that internally and like being self-aware enough how did you figure out within your own business like what types of risks that you are willing to take that weren't too far But also, I think on the flip side of that, it's fear. And so I think when you're taking a risk, you're overcoming fear. Mm -hmm. And not to rationalize a risk, but I do think that there is... Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's a balance, but I think like, how did you know that the risks that you were taking... Would pay off. Were right? (laughs) Or like, what (laughs) advice would you give for someone on taking those Uh, risks? Yeah, that's
1: tough, because you really don't know. You just have to take the risk. As far as fear is concerned you know fear is always much scarier than what it actually is right so you just um you just move towards it don't run away from it like full on i always say I'm a bull but just like go right to it right because once you get there you realize okay it's not the it's not the worst and if you think about like what's the worst thing that could happen like in any venture like if i failed miserably at this whatever you're doing what's the very worst well typically any of us have a skill set that that we could, I mean, look, we, we live in America. We're so fortunate. Any of us could go work anywhere. Truly. I mean, doing anything. If, even if it wasn't your thing, you could do it. So like, are you going to be starving on the streets? Probably not. Right. So like thinking about like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then just knowing yourself. So, um, with bright, I've taken on an enormous amount of personal risk, so you know, my husband lives in a different city. We've done this for four years. It's it's not ideal, but we make it work. It feels like we're dating all the time. So it's 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 been fun for us, you know. Um, but it is a huge sacrifice. Um, my daughters have had to sacrifice. You know, I'm definitely not the normal like mom at this stage in the game. Um, but they understand what I'm building and why it's so important and. Um, And then just the financial risks that come along with it. But the one thing that I love to say and that I live by is commit to the commitment. And so once you decide to do something all in, you have to stick with it. Whether it's, you know, good or bad or whatever, you you just got to keep going because you're going to have the highs and lows, Right. Now, that's different than trying different things out. And, and you know, there may come a time in, in somebody's life where they look at everything and they're like, okay, this is it. Like, I've tried it. It didn't work, whatever. Um, but for me, the mindset is commit to the commitment. So like with Bright, I've gone all in. I can't even imagine doing anything else. And I think for those of us who started our businesses right before COVID, that was a true test, especially mm-hmm. if you're in a service type of business or anything, you know, that's not just like tech or whatever, like you have to be with people. Um, It really was a a test of like, how serious are you about this? And can you make it work? And how creative can you be in making it work? And, you know, for those of us that came out on the other side, it's like, okay, we can do this. You know, I I got this. So, um, yeah, just knowing yourself to know thyself. That's the best thing ever. Like, you know what you can tolerate. And so, and it doesn't have to be like this. I think sometimes in our minds, we make it this big thing. It can just be like, hey, do you have a little like, Side business that you want to pursue and see what happens with that and see how it grows, and see where that takes you and It's just every day waking up and pursuing um, something something um, that's important to you and it will life will
0: unfold itself and show you the next step I think that's the biggest differentiators I think when you're allowing fear to stop you from what you're doing you're not going after. You're dimming yourself. And I think you have to be self-aware enough to recognize that. And I think there's been a lot of times where my biggest fear is failure, but I've gotten that same advice of what's the worst thing that can happen? And it makes that so-called risk in your mind that much smaller. So it's like, okay, so say you take this risk, you spend $1,000, you can make $1,000 back. And that's always how I've kind of rationalized it in in my brain. It's like, okay, I'm not selling everything and putting myself on the streets for this business. And even if that is what you're doing and you're like, I'm going to throw it all in, it's going to work out. Yeah. It, it always works out how it should, but I think it's a good reminder for people who are hesitant in risk. Cause I think where there's risk, there's reward.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you have to think about like, usually failure comes from outside voices, right? It's mm-hmm. what you've grown up to believe is somebody else's. This is the idea of failure, right? And so it's really breaking the mold. So for, for me, you know, at so I'm 43 and most of my friends at my age are living comfortably. They have set themselves up in their careers. They have, you know, the house, the kids, the whatever, and it's all very like traditional, right? And I applaud them for that. That is so not my journey. So right now, like I'm leasing a two bedroom apartment in Dallas while I build, while I build this business, you know? So on the outside end, people could be like, well, this is, this is nuts. What is she doing? Like, why is she doing this? You know? And like, but for me, no, this is what I choose to sacrifice because of what I want to build with bright. Um, so yeah, I I just think that failure is like ultimate failure isn't a thing unless you decide. So, you know,
0: I heard that or it's only failure if you decide to quit. Yeah. And I thought that was genius because how do you break the outside mold that you're put in because I think that is 99.9% of people's problems is what they think they should be doing versus what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I think about my dad was um he's a he's r- really smart when it comes to like computer he was PhD in computer science and that, that's not my world, but <laughs> here you are. <laughs> here I am. But growing up, like this was back in the 80s, computers, personal computers were a new thing. Right. But yeah. that was his world. And he was always so I had a computer and I remember I'd be afraid to do stuff. I'm like going to, you know, oh, I'm going to break this if I like do this game and I play this wrong or whatever. And I just remember him coming in there and saying, you're not going to break it. Anything that you mess up on the computer, we can fix. Like, don't worry about that. And that's always stuck with me. And it's stuck with me in life, too, because it's like, OK, you're not going to break it. What are you going to break? I mean, there's a lot of grace. I always this is a new like a newer quote for me that I am like lo- loving and living. Grace is the space where life happens. So we have that that space in life to, you know, don't be afraid to break things. It's because really and truly most things we're going to break or not. It's not that deep.
0: <laughs> it's not that bad perspective Mm -hmm. it all comes back to perspective and how you shift your mindset from and i've always been someone i don't live in fear but there's definitely i think a lot of it stems from ego which i always call myself out on this podcast i tend to be an alpha personality i can be a little bit on the egotistical side and so i think sometimes fear of failure is like what will people think of me because i'm perceived to be a certain way when in reality those failures have taught me more about who I am and have humbled me in the ways that I needed to be humbled. And so I think when you're launching a business, you're doing what a lot of people aren't doing. And you're putting yourself in situations and rooms that a lot of people aren't in. And even if it doesn't work out, you still learn something. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: And you can't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what other people think of you. Yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't matter. And we can say, we don't, oh, who cares what they think? But I mean, we all care what people think, you know, but you have to be strong enough to say, It doesn't matter. And that's where having like a purpose, a purpose comes in because then that channels everything. It's like, this is the purpose and this is the good that I'm doing. So now like on the bright team, we have over 40 artists. Um, I have two, two full-time administrative employees and I love being able to give those individuals work and really Mm -hmm. great, great work, you know? And so that's, that's so far what, what, you know, I've created and we as the team have created And that's worth everything. So I really don't give two shits what anybody thinks, you know, or if I'm not living a a traditional lifestyle or whatever, you know, because it's like, no, this is what's important to me.
0: It's bringing what you're called to do higher. And I think that's what grounds me or centers me anytime I get any type of feedback or someone's trying to contain me. It's like, I know I'm called for something more that's bigger than me. And I would be doing a disservice to you and I if I didn't go after that because I'm not going to be happy. And then how are you as my friend? if you truly are my friend, going to be happy. And I think that's kind of what I've really come into. And I know I have a long way to go, but you just touched on where you are now. I want you to, we're going to take a little bit of a backstep. Sure. So Wright went through a few iterations to get to where you are now. What about that, what has that journey taught you about building a business?
1: You have, I, I think it's the stance between it's there's a lot of patience and there's a it's the dance between having a long term vision mm. and then being flexible in the day to day as that vision comes to
0: fruition. Go super deep into that because I think you just hit on something super important. Um. OK, so. hmm. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking you to go very granular, but yeah. being flexible in your plan, because yeah. I think our vision is very narrow mm-hmm. and it kind of goes to say like, everyone's told me you don't dream big enough. It's to that point. But at the same time, go. Okay. I'm talking so, over
1: you. Okay. Well, no, I, I'm like, I, I don't know how to explain that. Um, you know, you, so you do have to have a great big vision. Like, don't be afraid. I feel like, like I said before, if it's within you, you can create it. So don't be afraid. So, you know, I. I'm pretty vocal about like, I'm creating a national brand, right? beauty. It will be, you know, I have a very long game vision, but also you, you can't get frustrated in the day to day because when you have that kind of vision in front of you, you can be like, this isn't happening fast enough or why am I, maybe I'm not doing this right. Or And you, so it's, it's like that vision is there, but then in the day to day, if things change or, you know, it, it you just have to be flexible with, with how things work. So I'm trying to think if I can give you, well, I mean, COVID's a perfect example of that, right? Like here we were, we were booking what, we really had started getting some traction in the business. We were booking a lot of hair and makeup for weddings. Um, we had the, like the on location side was thriving and then all of it just stopped, right? and then we had 2 months of okay n- now what do we do so mm-hmm. for for me it wasn't 2 months of like okay now we just chill and wait for the world to open back up i'm like that's not going to work what can we do right now so every single day during covid i got up i put i put on my makeup and at home and we did digital content and so we would bring in different you know we just got really creative during that mm-hmm. time and i really think that propelled our growth once we came out of covid um tremendously so like last year we grew at 94% uh during covid we grew to 64% right during 2020 so it, you know it it's um that just continuous growth and being flexible and adaptable as as things come your way and then seeing you know we launched products we put a pause on the products because it wasn't our core business and I love that and like I want to launch products again and we're looking to open up a newer larger space and at that point we'll launch we'll do products again but I had to say okay I can't be all things in this business we need to focus on what's really important and that's our service side and so we'll wait we're going to put a pause on these products for now and then come back to them so what did
0: that pause if we will on products I think you just touch on something else that's super important is sometimes people start to stray a different direction or t- try to go too broad which is feedback that I've personally gotten so what advice would you give to someone who starts with an idea you and then maybe tries something else and it's not necessarily a failure but it's not growing
1: mm-hmm.
0: coming back to what's working yeah I th- if you, okay,
1: so, and, and it's true. I, I listened to a, a a podcast or an audio book or something, and the gal said, w- is, surely as soon as you start one business, you're going to have an idea for another, and then you're going to have an, an idea for another. And if you're a creative brain and you're an entrepreneur, you're typically going to have a million ideas all the time. <laughs> that is <like> my brain. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Jill and I joke about this all the time, you know, like how we're like, oh, but we could do this, and we could do this, <laughs> and we could do this. I had a, fr- I had. Uh, a lunch with a friend that's also an entrepreneur. And we had that same, it's like, Oh my gosh, if we only had time to chase everything that we want to do. And so um, I think that you have to really do, you have to come back to the core of a, what you want to build also, you know, what makes sense for you, your lifestyle that you want. Um, and then, you know, w- what's profitable, hello, you know, and what's going to create revenue, maybe not right now, but eventually, right, having that long game in in play. And then just knowing like, there's never going to be a shortage of ideas and you get to decide which ideas you get to pursue. You just can't pursue them all at once. Right. And I do think that if you do pivot and you try something else, in fact, the gal that I had lunch with today, she started in one business during COVID. She tried something else and found that this was the other thing was actually her true passion and love. And so She had to make that choice and now she does this. So to do something really well, you do have to focus your time and energy on it. But just know that it's not like you can't ever, you know, there's always time to explore something if you want to.
0: There's a lot of people and I think nowadays with social media, it's chase your passion. And my mentor and I talk a lot about this. I think there's a lot of people that their passion could potentially pay the bills. But I also think you just touch on something. What's profitable? Mm -hmm. What? Advice or from your experience, would you give on the difference between the two and maybe how someone could bring those two together if the passion is not profitable, but they're trying to find something that is?
1: So, I'll give a really great example that I heard from Mel Robbins.
0: Do you follow her? Love her.
1: Oh my God, she's amazing. She is such an inspiration to me because she started her whole thing at 40. Um, and and so having those kind of, you know, you're young, so you don't know, but like <laughs> I'm like, okay, who at my age is like doing something new and different, whatever. Anyway, yeah, she's incredible. So on one of her podcasts, she said or what, you know, something, she said, uh, she gave this example. So a gentleman really was interested in wine. He loved wine, he loved everything about wine. So he wanted to open a wine shop and he was just gonna go, you know, A to Z, let's open the wine shop. And she said, Before you do that, why don't you explore that opportunity a little bit more? you know, go work in a wine shop first, go, you know, you know, I don't know, maybe throw some wine parties you know, find out what it is you really love about that, because you may not actually enjoy running the business of wine. You might just like the socialized socialization aspect of it. And it might actually be something else that you're looking into. So I think it's important to follow those passions to see what, what can unfold, but before you throw everything at it, um, you know, really test the market and see if it's if it's a if it's a good fit, and then also knowing you know we in in the U.S. we want to turn all of our hobbies, you know, into a revenue in, into revenue, right? And that that's good, but that can also be bad. So I have a friend that's an inc- she's incredible at interior design, and had a, you know a great following on Instagram just because she liked to post different things in her home. And I told her, I said, why don't you make this a business? Like you're incredible at it. And she was like, I wouldn't love it if I made it a business. Well, fast forward, she did that for years. I mean, probably eight to 10 years. And then I noticed that now she's doing design work for other people and she's working for a firm. And so at some point she decided, well, maybe I do want to make a career out of this, but it's not like you have to immediately like turn a hobby into a side hustle or profession.
0: It's funny that you say that because I had this exact same conversation with Spider about the podcast because it's always been a side hustle and there's something in me that has always wanted to turn it into a profit and people are like, why don't you pitch this? Or why don't you do sponsors? Why don't you do this? And it's because I enjoy it so much that there's almost a small part of me subconsciously that's like, I don't ever want to lose like the excitement that I get every day when I come in here. And I love talking with people like you. And so it is this balance. Like I knew if I got paid to do this, all my dreams would come true but there's also a small part of me that's like, it's such fun. Like it's a hobby that you Mm -hmm. don't want to take away from that excitement with like having responsibilities or what, everything that comes with a job. So I think it's super important. And if I hadn't tried it, I would never have known. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very, how did you know that we talked about this on uh, this week's episode, but the the girl I interviewed was talking about a a live idea which basically means like this is the idea. How did you know that bright beauty and the services that you wanted to offer was the direction that you wanted to go? Was there a moment, a time I I mm, that's tough because
1: I didn't know I mean I <laughs> this is this is pretty this is pretty funny. <laughs> so, I had never even been to like A a dry bar before
0: I started bright. Okay,
1: and so you know that's like hairstyle, like blowouts, right? Yeah,
0: love Alley Web. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Oh my gosh, her story is incredible. Right. But um, there's some things that align like with Bright and her story a little bit. Anyway, I didn't even know. And so when I was like describing what eventually like our retail stores would look like back in 2018, when I was talking to my business consultant, she was like, oh, well, that sounds kind of like dry bar, right? So like these ideas that are floating around are not just unique to one person. But I didn't even know that because I hadn't been inside a dry bar. So I'm like, oh, oh okay, you know, um. Okay, see, here I go. I'm off on a tangent. But no, what keep did going you, on the tangent. <laughs> what oh. did you ask me?
0: Oh, I said, how did you know that that was the idea?
1: Oh, how did you know? Um, I just knew that I could do it. I knew I was capable of doing it. My other idea that, remember I told you I had two ideas yeah. that I wanted to explore. I also think that, that that is a, I can still see it and it's very much alive, but it's just not what I'm choosing to pursue right now, right? Um, Because I'm going to see bright all the way through before I ever start taking on something like another company to build out, right? So, um, I just knew, I just knew it would work. Like I, well, I thought it would work. You don't ever know, but I'm like, okay, I know beauty. I know hair and makeup. I know that there's a demand for it. And then immediately when I started doing it, I'm like, yeah, there's a significant demand for it. And so I just looked at like, how can we do it the right way? The bright way is actually what we say. How do we do it the bright way? Um, because it's very, quality is very important to me. Making sure that our customers not only look their best, but feel their best, So we also bring like a party atmosphere to the appointment. We're very uplifting of our customers. It's not about us being the divas and the artists and like what we want to do, but we Mm want to bring like, what do you want? You know, how do you want to look and feel? So that's very important. And then also giving um, our artists that team collaborative feel and and really valuing their work and what they do.
0: I think it's hard when you... There's always competition, so I think it's interesting that you kind of touch on like this idea that you had was something that Ali Webb was already doing in a little bit of a different sense with with Dry Bar, which yeah, her story is inc- incredible, and I think it can sometimes be deterring. In a sense, like now that I'm thinking about it, and you just elaborate on that, was was there a point that you were like, maybe this isn't it because of what that consultant told you, or because I think it's common to yeah. be like, oh, I mean, people told me there's a million podcasts. Why would you have a podcast? And it's like just this weird knowing, like this is where I'm supposed to be, even if there's other people doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I I just think um, yeah, you ha- you've got to pay attention to the competition. Because you you know if you're not like aware it's all about awareness. So I choose yeah. a, a word every year. Last year my word was awareness. Like okay. okay everything you know. So you have to have that awareness of what you're, what's going on with the competition, but you also have to be true to yourself because you can quickly start looking at what other people do, and and start trying to mold yourself after them when that's not your journey and mm-hmm. what you offer. And you can even see things that are like oh that's a really great thing, but if it doesn't align with what you want to bring and what you want to offer, then you wouldn't do it, right? So um, having that awareness of competition, but then also y- you just have to get really centered within yourself of, of okay, because c- everybody's going to give you advice. Some is great. Mm-hmm. Um, some you have to be able to filter through and say, you know, okay, this isn't, for, ex- for example, um, when I very first started, I ran appointments out of my apartment studio, okay? Okay. I got to do what you got to do. Uh-huh. We've moved twice since then and about to move to a third studio. Okay. My husband, the non-risk taker, told me, you are just fine right there. Like, you don't need to do anything else. You don't know. I'm like, this is not professional. Yes, we do. You know? And so, but again, that's the way he's wired, right? So if I would have listened to that advice, we would have not gone anywhere, Right. So, it's like you have to know too, like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I appreciate your perspective, but no, this is not, no, we're doing this.
0: <laughs> you just have to know. We'll dive into that maybe a little bit at the end, but that's an interesting balance because my mentor tells me, I always say that I want to marry someone that's an entrepreneur, like has an entrepreneurial spirit, because I do think that there can be that clash. And I know for me, I've had friends that, Want to keep me in a container, and I've taken it really personal when it's not personal. But for you in a relationship, how do you balance that? Oh, we are night and day, and
1: I say all the time, I am so grateful I am not married to an entrepreneur. Okay. Oh my gosh, because I think that we would probably kill one another. But because, interesting, yeah, okay. because we're we balance each other. Okay. But I think in that you also have to be really strong in in who you are, because I I've told him from the beginning. I have wings, I have to fly. We joke about it all the time. He's like, you have wings, you have to fly. I'm like, yes. And so he gives me his advice and 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 a lot of times I don't agree with it, but sometimes I do. It's nice because I am such the, I am the bigger risk taker that he'll bring up things that I sometimes think, I'm just like, well, you're just a Debbie Downer. Like, why are you telling me that? But then I stop and I think about it and I'm like, okay, wait, he actually makes a really good point. I need to think about that mm-hmm. and then act. Um, and then I bring him, you know, I – I bring him into like, oh, let's try something new. Let's let's do some, you know, so it it definitely is. but, But you do have to respect one another in the relationship and know that you are different in that in those areas and then be confident to be able to do. I mean, for God's sakes, my husband lives in Colorado. I live in Dallas. I mean, talk about like compromise, but we just really understand that what we're building together but separately is important and we honor each other in that.
0: It's like, I mean, especially in a partnership, which I think is super interesting because I have a lot of people on here. Some are like dating entrepreneurs that if they both weren't entrepreneurs, it wouldn't work. And then in your situation, I always think there's a balance. And obviously I'm single, so I can't give anyone advice on it. But I always find it interesting because I've told myself this year, like I wanted to surround myself with people like you and Jill because that's where like the fire inside of me comes out and you just like can speak their language. I know for my mentor, like I call him way too much. Um, he doesn't care, but he's just like, we just talk and talk and talk. And then it's like two hours later. Oh my gosh. And you just go on a tangent. And it's like, because they get you on yes. like a soul level. Yes. And yes. I always have a million ideas. And he's like, what's the idea now? <laughs> I'm like, okay. It's, it's a lot of just like bubbling, but I think it's important because... It respect you hit on one thing, but also like in friendships, I think it's okay to recognize and this is something I'm working on. Like even if they're not an entrepreneur, that's okay. Like it's not a bad thing, but also it's not a bad thing if that's what I want to do. Yeah. Like I'm the type of person that will just throw myself at anything and hope for the best. And it's not a bad thing that I want to do that, but it's also okay if you want to do what you want to do. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cause we can't all be
1: entrepreneurs. That would be a scary world. (laughs) Right. Um, write down all your business ideas. I have a running tab okay uh-huh because it makes you feel you're like okay yeah i captured that i'm not getting into it right now but if i ever want to come back to it my daughter was doing a project she's in business management and she graduates from tech um, in august and she had to do a project where they like built a business on paper and she was like we don't have ideas i'm like if you need ideas sweetheart i got <laughs> a million and one here you go i read. she used one of my ideas to to do her business so lots of yeah write those down um but then yeah this this is like oh my gosh for hours like talking about business and ideas and just that energy that it brings it so fun. But then you also like I have, you know, friends that it's, t- it's totally not their world. Right. Yeah. And so I get a lot of fulfillment from these types of conversations. But at the same time, like I enjoy just, you know, being with those friends and and seeing what- what's going on in their lives,
0: you know. So yeah. it definitely is just like the balance of life. Yeah. Not constantly being stimulated because every time I get in these conversations, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to go solve world hunger. Um, you touched a little bit on, uh, in an article that you always felt that you were called to empower women. Mm-hmm. And that's your, what you're living out in your business right now. Where did that stem from? Was there something in your life that brought that out in you or? My like overall, one of my overall missions, is, you know, they
1: say your wild will make you cry. So I'm like going to get teary, but now it really is to empower women to live out their purpose and their truth. And, and, and men too, I don't know why it's, I, I just have, maybe because I've always been in the beauty business, maybe yeah. because I had daughters, um, I love our guys, but like, I don't know, I'm just really, it's just women, you know, that That's I okay, really, yeah. yeah, that I just really, um, align with. And then, and I just think about, you know, who I've been inspired by. And like, I mentioned Mel Robbins, like, I think she's incredible and, um, I, 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 Yeah, just be maybe it's because I was such a young mom and I really did come from like a, um, I came from a a different background and, and, you know, I feel like everybody comes from some sort of dysfunction or another, but just really like a a different world. And so I didn't come from wealth and I didn't come from, you know, it it was never easy. And so it really has had to be like intentional, like, like I say, I'm a bull and I'll just take life by the horns and do what I've got to do. Um, But really to be able to free women in that. And maybe it's because for so long it was that like you kind of lived under a man's shadow Mm -hmm. in our history. I don't feel like it's like that anymore, but for so long. And so like even like our grandmothers, you know, it was just a very different thing. Right. And so it is so important for me to say, you know, like my uncle saying, you're not going to be a a princess. And me having to say, well, then I don't want to be a princess, you know. Or maybe I'll build my own castle. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be
0: my own Cinderella.
1: That's right. Damn it. Um, but yeah, just really like telling women it's okay yeah. be who and what you want to be, and it, and you don't have to live under this shadow of what somebody has told you you need to do. And so, one thing I've just published a book. So oh my gosh, this is a new journey for me. P- pip yourself out. <laughs> or we can do it at the end. But okay. if you want to pip yourself out, yeah, we we'll But it's all about um, when you know.
0: Women being empowered. Yeah. Tapping in, and we keep coming back to, which will probably end up being the title, but like we keep coming back to this, like tuning into the calling inside of you. And I think it comes from those life events. And for you, it was being a young mom and that's okay. And it's like, When you come back to your why it does make you cry. And it was kind of similar to Jill's story when she opened up about, you know, domestic violence. And like you can tell the moment she said on the podcast, like her whole energy shifted. Like she Mm -hmm. felt like a weight was lifted off. And that's the story that the audience and my why for this podcast is like there's something deeper in every single entrepreneur. And once it comes out in this podcast, you can just tell this shift because it's like that's what they've been trying to create this whole time. And it comes to fruition in a business and making money. But I think it's so much bigger than that like life is so much bigger than no offense to bright beauty but like it's so much bigger than bright beauty because your mission is so much bigger than the output and I think that's where people can look at their own lives and be like what's something in my life that has changed me for the better and how can I bring that to life in a business absolutely and you know talking about your failures right like
1: when you think about like okay Okay. that was my next question Yeah. yeah yeah so like at 16 years old, there I was pregnant and, ha- and having this child and not a clue. And, you know, that could be considered a failure. My daughter is incredible, my oldest. I'm so proud of her and, you know, our journey to get. And then I got married and divorced and had another. Th- and so here I was at, you know, 20 tw- 23 years old with two two daughters divorced, you know, working full time at the salon. I was going to school at that time, too. But like looking back on that, that that's like not a winning start from a traditional perspective. But I'm actually so glad that life unfolded that way for me, like it did, because I always say I have grit and glam. I mean, I have so much grit in me, like determination, persistence. Damn near nothing could stop me, right? And it's be, it's because of those life experiences that I went through that gave me that strength. And so when you take those opportunities in your life that have been hard or that felt like failures. Um, when you change the perspective, as you were saying mm-hmm. earlier and you realize, okay, no, this is hap- life happens for me. You've heard that before. Yeah. Tony Robbins says that all the time. Life, happens. It's so true. Life, life happens for you. How, how do you make those into your strengths? And, and then how do you bless others with that? Right. Mm-hmm. So business is that vehicle. And, exactly. you know, I, like, yeah, I mean, like the fact that I employ our company employs all these individuals and gives them really great work, and um, and then, like I said earlier, the vanity side of beauty. But actually, when when a woman looks good and feels good, she can she can conquer the world in that moment, right? So it's like, well, even the vanity part is really special, you know, for that person that we're providing that beautiful service for, you know, and um, it really, yeah. And so then, and then the overall message, like for me, is always that, like, you know what? I can do it. You can do it. How can we empower one another to live out our
0: truth and, you know, do good for the world? When you're in a failure or you're going through a time in your life when it's hard and you feel like nothing's going your way, what advice would you give to that person, whether they're in it now or they'll eventually be in it? Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that, but. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's the ebb
1: and flow, right? It's life. Yeah. Yeah. Hills and valleys. Yep. Mm Keep going. Keep going pull your bootstraps up and keep going my um th- there was a point in the business where both my admins quit at the same time and it wasn't anything but i'm still great friends with them it was just they went on to do other things it was within two weeks of each other and it it was hard because i i was like because i had just had it in my mind like they were going to go long game with me you know like oh these are my mm-hmm. people here we go okay no and it really hit me hard. And I, I remember like I went I went home that day and I was like sitting, down. you know, it's always the closet or the bathroom. Like you just fall to the floor. Why is it? It's the closet or the bathroom? I'm like sitting in the bathroom floor, just like devastated. And I call my husband and he's, he's, he's so kind and he's like very reassuring. He's like, you're going to be OK. We're you know, you're going to get through this. You'll find new people. It's going to be good. And I just kept on like I was really I was like, you know, I do this business for other people, mm-hmm. you know, like if if there, if there's nobody, I don't have a business if nobody's in the business. Right. And, and finally he just said, okay, this is not you. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. This is not you. You're going to figure this out. You need to get it together and make a plan. And tomorrow hit the day. And I was like, and that's not his style. He's very like more of the like nurturing type. And I was like, okay, okay. You're right you're right. I can do this. And so that very next morning I made a plan and I kept going. And for the next like three months, I worked 14 to 16 hour days straight. It was insane because I was running the whole cut. Co- and when this was in peak wedding seasons, this happened like in April. So it was wild, but I just kept going and knew that I would get through that and, you know, keep, keep going. That's my advice. Keep
0: going. Control. We talked about this a little bit, how entrepreneurship a lot of us want control that's like a a Mm -hmm. number one trait of an entrepreneur we want control over our destiny it's wanting control but also understanding at the same time that you have to let go of control of the things that you can't control it's hard balance it's kind of like balancing being patient in a long-term mindset like you want the success now why isn't happening now even though this is a 10-year 20-year a lifetime project how have you in your life navigated letting go of the things you can't control, but putting an emphasis on the things that you can.
1: You know, I think that serenity prayer is the best thing. Have you heard that serenity prayer? I have not. Oh my gosh, look it up. Okay. But it's, it's all about like controlling what you can and letting go of what you can't essentially is what it boils down to. And that's how I approach life. And it drives my husband crazy because he he really has trouble like delegating and not like controlling everything. And I'm like, I'm not going to sweat it. If I can't control it, why am I going to worry about it? Mm -hmm. Why? If I can do anything about it, I will do anything and everything about it. Right? And so even then with my team, it's leading my team with love and like course correcting. And like, you know, if they mess something up, I'm not going to like berate them for that. It's just like, okay, how can we do this better? And so that's why it's really important to hire people that have a growth mindset Mm -hmm. that can take ownership of their mistakes and, you know, lead with love and light because, you know, you've you've just got to have that.
0: You got a piece of advice when you were in your 20s. And when I read the story, I knew that this was going to be an amazing episode. And I'm already obsessed with this episode. I want you to tell the audience like what the best piece of advice was that you got in your twenties that you still carry into today. Was it the commit to the commitment? Is that the one you read? I
1: believe it was. Yeah. 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 That was it. It it was what I said earlier. I live by. So, um, I had, like I said, i had been married, young, divorced. It was not a great marriage. Um, and I'd been single seven years with my girls. Um, and I just didn't think I'd get married again. It was like, this wasn't important to me. And I, you know, I just didn't want to go through that again. And I started dating my current husband. We've been married 12 years. And I was in the salon. And, you know, when you're doing cuts and colors in your salon and your clients are in and out every, you know, every four to six weeks, they're family. Right. Oh, yeah. And I had um, this couple, um, Emmy and Beth. And Emmy was in. They had been married for. Well, they had been together a lot longer than married because they couldn't get married for a while, you know.
0: Mm -hmm. okay got it yes
1: and then that made that legal and they could get married anyway so I was doing Emmy's hair and I said I don't know I just really like this guy and Matt was in from the beginning and you know and I was like I just don't know if I want to get married again and so she starts asking me all these questions about him what about this what about this again she says okay Marcy he sounds like a really great guy he checks all the boxes he loves your daughters he's great to your kids like you know what is it and I'm like well I don't know what if it doesn't work out or what if this or what if that and she says you know what, every day you choose to love your spouse. It's a choice. And you choose to, you know, be patient with some of their qualities you don't like (laughs) as they they are with you, right? And she says, at the end of the day, marriage is just a commitment to the commitment. And she said, if you're willing to do that, then go for it. And I thought, commit to the commitment best advice I was ever given. And so I started approaching everything like that. And, you know, Warren Buffett gives the analogy of 20 investments. If you had 20 investments to pick your entire life, you'd be very selective. That's his, that's his investing strategy, buy and hold. So he buys really great companies. And I think, well, gosh, if you could translate that to everything in life, that's not going to be perfect. But really, if you're more um, intentional about your decisions and conscientious, conscientious about that, then, you know, you make good choices and commit to the commitment.
0: Looking back on your life from your 20s and building a business, what piece of advice would you give your younger self that you know now? Um, there, I actually wrote, I wrote about this not too long ago, but
1: it, it, I, would say, I would say that, you know, first of all, give yourself Grace. Um, because the, the twenties, you're just figuring out really who you are Mm -hmm. and you still have so much runway. I tell Jill that all the time, like in the inner business and stuff. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk and we have these great conversations and, and I'm like, gosh, you don't even realize how much runway you have. Like you're good. It's good. It's all good. Um, so really just taking that time to figure out who you are, um, not being afraid to be who you are. And, um, and then, and, and do your best to make smart decisions. Truly, you know, um, I didn't always do that, but once I realized like, Hey, I I think it's, it's owning your destiny, right? There are some things in life that are just going to happen, but then a whole lot of it we do control. And so when you take that aspect, you, you can get, you know, you can decide like, who is the best kind of spouse for me? Let me figure out what that looks like. You know, what is the best kind of work for me? Let me um, see what that looks like. And then, you know, make. don't be afraid to make the sacrifices to get to the long-term goal. So, again, it's that dance of having that long-term vision. I always say reverse engineer your life. That's that's the advice I give. Reverse engineer your life. Think about on your deathbed. What do you want to accomplish in your life? If if you can, you know, dream it, see it, whatever. Okay, now now do it. Now go do it. <laughs> right? Because I think when you think about, okay, if I'm on my deathbed, what is... What do I want to have accomplished, you know, in relationships, in family, in business, in work, in life, in contribution? What does that look like? It'll be different for everybody. And then reverse engineer.
0: I always say too, apply that to your fears. So reverse engineer your fears because I think when you really write down what your biggest fears are, not only are they a lot smaller, but that's where you need to go. So like if your biggest fear is death, for instance, or Failure or whatever it is, it's like reverse engineer that. Start doing the things that scare you the most to live the life. So it's like, okay, so if death is your biggest fear, well, what do you want to do from now until then? Like, if that is your biggest fear and it's inevitable, go after every single thing that you can do between now and that point Mm -hmm. because you don't ever have. And I always say time is money. And like, I'm a psycho about time Mm -hmm. just because I'm like, that is the one thing in life that you literally never can get back. And I think it's a perspective shift. But I think a lot of people in their 20s are just, that's, They don't value time. It's just like this and this and this and this and this. And they don't value other people's time. And it's like, at the end of the day, you don't get that time back. No. Like this hour that we spent, I would never trade it for the world, but like you never get that time back. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to sit here and waste your time. And I wouldn't want someone to do that. But I think you hit the nail on the head with like reverse engineer. So wherever you're at, it's like, whether it's a fear or whatever that is, I always say like aim big. Like a lot of my questions are broad with this podcast, but I do that intentionally literally to reverse engineer the whole podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'm strategic in the way I'm doing and it's super granular. So I'm super glad that you said that. Okay. Speaking of time, I want to make sure (laughs) I like, am not (laughs) keeping here for two hours because I will. Um, so I have a few more questions. What's one thing that you've learned about yourself after or during while being an entrepreneur?
1: Learning to control my emotions. I'm I'm Italian, and we are a hot-tempered group. And through the business, I've learned to to temper that and not to ride the highs and the lows, and really train myself to just live day by day, uh, be grateful day to day, and take the present for what for what it is and. Just keep walking in that. So I really would say like, yeah, patience, managing my emotions. Um, and then just on the business, I mean, there's like a million and one things I've learned about business. And, you know, I couldn't tell you what a KPI was before I started <laughs> or a P&L or anything that I do now. And I'm like, every week I look at all those reports and the, you know, I love data now. Oh, my gosh. I used to think I hated data. I Give me all the data. I love it. So, um, you know, just all that kind of stuff. But just like on a personality perspective i would just say like patience and controlling you know because there's always again here we go back to the highs and lows but there's highs and lows and you got to you know celebrate those moments and then when it gets rough just keep going and know that you'll get through it and and a lot of it is just even killing a lot of it is perspective and it's like if you take a step back you know and and see the forest through the trees and you can go okay all right this is, is it. the end of the world you know um being a parent taught me that too watching my girls you know Watching them go through middle school. It's like those things into the world in those moments, right? Mm. Everybody can look back at middle school and and go, okay, I really thought that boy was my end all be all, right? That is me in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) I was that girl. Yeah. It's like, okay, now you have some perspective. Same thing. You know, I I feel like you'll look back at every decade and go, okay, that wasn't that big of a deal.
0: Perspective, I think, comes from not only life events, but things that you do every day. And before we got on this, you talked a little bit about your morning mindset. I want you to yes. elaborate on that for the audience.
1: Yes. So um, I read voraciously. I listen to podcasts, lots of business and self-development. And every every single great mm-hmm. talks about like starting their morning out with intention. And it typically looks like something like gratitude, um, affirmations, visualizations, meditating, journaling. Um, those are the biggies, and setting your goals for the day. So, one thing I recently came up with this year, because it's like, okay, there's so many things. How do I like keep this organized and get and get in there and and do my morning mindset? So, I came up with the af- acronym GIT: G G I T. Get the day started. So, very first thing: G gratitude. I write three things I'm grateful for. Could be big or small. The next G is goals, and that can be like small tasks that are just weighing me that I just need to write down and get out of my head. Um or uh, bigger goals, but they're all, like, all the goals lead into my, like, long-term goals, so it's very important as an individual to set, like, big goals, 98 goals, you know, all the goals, Um, so I write that down, and then the I is for intention, so I set an intention for the day, whether that be joy, peace, whatever it is, and that's also where I do my affirmations, so I have those written down on my notepad on my phone, I, I read through my affirmations, And then um, the T is thoughts. So that's where my visualization practice comes in, my meditation. And then, you know, there's some days I love to journal. And if I have time, I like really can get in there and really journal. Um, But then other days it's like, I really don't have anything to write about. Or maybe I had a really weird dream that I want to think about and see if like the universe is trying to tell me something. So I might like jot that down. So that process can take anywhere between. I mean, really and truly, you can get it done in 10 minutes or an hour i typically like about 45 minutes to go through all that um when i and most of the time i make the time for that
0: so but you know you can, you can make it much shorter but get get the day started i do that every single morning and i've been doing this one affirmation and every single day that i do it i notice the biggest shift in my energy and it's funny cuz people always ask me well how do you sit still or how do you do this and i can't put a price tag on just the energy shift that i feel and sometimes I think we're wired to think that those small changes would never lead to the biggest successes. And it's funny because Lewis Howes is like, I love him. And he's. I just shared one of his podcasts today. Amazing. Yes. And he posted something today that was like, the smallest habits lead to the biggest results. And that small change in my life has created the most amount of change in who I am as a person. And I swear by it because I'm like, without meditation, I don't even know. Like, I feel like I'm a completely different person. So I think it's important for people to recognize no matter where you are in your life, even going for a walk, like whatever that movement is, it's always just to start in the right direction. Starting a business, this podcast is all about entrepreneurship, like take the step to where you need to go and everything else is going to fill in around you, even when you don't always see it right in front of you. Oh, yeah. Have you read
1: Atomic Habits by James Clear? No,
0: Uh. my old company, uh, it like had us read it. I didn't finish it, but it's at my house. It's so great. And it's all about, again, I mean, really and
1: truly like every day, your day is your life, Yeah, right? And we we forget that in the day-to-day. But when you're strategic about it and you're intentional about it, it is true. And it's those little habits that do change your life. And, yeah, I, I can think back before I started this journey of of meditating and morning mindset and how different my life was. And, gosh, I could never go back to that. So it really does start your day off, right? So whether you do it, you know, just even if it's just a short time or you can make a longer time for it, I definitely recommend doing
0: it. Two final questions, and then you're going to pimp yourself out. Fill in the blank. Entrepreneurship has taught you blank. Patience. Mm-hmm. Patience would be the biggest thing. Gold. That's good. I'm not good with that. Um, and then the last question... I want you to pimp yourself out first. So you just mentioned a book. So dive into that book. Where can people find you? I'm going to put everything in the notes for everyone that's listening to this, um, but pimp yourself out. Okay. So the book has been an, like, I
1: have given birth to a 17-year-old project. Okay. I started writing this after um, I was divorced and I was processing through feelings. I started writing and then it became kind of a memoir. And then I was like, I don't know. I interviewed seven other women. So the book is called The Year After. okay, And it's about women who go through a divorce and the time after is they create a new life for themselves. And that's a messy process, but it doesn't have to be a negative process. And there's a lot of similarities there that women go through. And I just wanted to open up the conversation, right? Like, Typically, when people talk about divorce, it's very like sad and heartbreaking. All it is, but there's also this other side of like redefining who you are as a woman. And so, interviewing these women and um, telling their story as they go through it, it's highly entertaining, funny, it, it, it but also like heartfelt. So um, you can get the book on Amazon. And it's called The Year After Eight Women Divorce and the Adventure to Start Anew. So I'm just excited to like put that into the world. It's not my business. I'm not, you know, I'm not exploring a career as a writer. It was just like, this is something that I just want to put out there because I think it can help a lot of women in that space. Um, and, and anybody that's gone through a, a, a long term relationship and ended, that ended in breakup, um, I think you could relate to it. Anybody could so.
0: A little passion project that she launched into the world. We love that. We're going to take you right back to your morning journal because the last question that I ask every single person is, Marcy, what are you grateful for today? Feel free to give three if you want to give three. Okay. Well, I'm grateful to be here with you today. Thank you so much for having me on
1: this podcast. This has been so fun. (laughs) No problem. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Um, I'm grateful for the incredible Dallas community and the female entrepreneurs that we are surrounded by. And um, just, gosh, I, I just feel like everybody is so... Warm and welcoming and uplifting. And I just love our community. And I'm just super grateful that I've had the opportunity to build this business and um, that, you know, we live where we live and we have the opportunities we have. So that's what I'm grateful for today.
0: Yeah. I'm going to kind of piggyback off of her, but I'm going to say I'm grateful for this podcast too. I think I put this on my Instagram story, but like it changes my energy every time I come in here and then I get to talk with people like you. And I'm not one to ever show emotion, but sometimes I'm like, I could just cry at like how grateful I am that I have this platform and I've connected with so many amazing people. So that is what I'm grateful for. And thank you so Yay. much. This fun. <laughs>